FYI, and I don't mean fake news, this podcast contains huge spoilers. Hey everybody, welcome to episode 369 of the podcast that goes snicked, snicked. I'm your host, Jason, Cosmic Perfume Venable, and this is a flashback episode. Um, You're probably going to call it Bloody Choices, which is the graphic novel we'll be talking about, but it's really just kind of yet another uh, 1991 catch-all episode of kind of random Wolverine stuff. Um, (laughs) Because, you know, we're like, as I have mentioned several times before, we're getting well into the glut of just kind of Wolverine being all over the place. And so we have a lot of stuff to talk about. Um, But we'll kind of probably focus a little bit on the bloody choices, probably get that the most time of the episode. It is a graphic novel featuring Wolverine. Um, also heavily features Nick Fury, though he does not make the cover. Um, but before we can get to that, we got a couple other things I want to talk about. Um, like I said, this is just kind of random odds and ends of 1991. Um, and first up, we have kind of another kind of a filler issue <laughs> of the Wolverine solo series. This is Wolverine number 47, uh, this one does not have a guest writer. It does have a guest penciler before we get to the official build-up to Wolverine 50. Um, which is coming up pretty soon. So, um, this one is Dog Day. Written by Larry Hama. Pencils by Gerald DeCare. Or, yeah, DeCare, probably. Uh, inks by Don Hudson. Letters by Pat Brousseau. Colors by Glennis Oliver. And then our cover... By a guy I'm not really familiar with. Uh, Kirk Jarvanen. But I really like it. Um, is Wolverine about to leap off of a wrecked automobile? And he's been shot and had his shirt shredded. And he's got his claws popped and glittering in the sun. And in the foreground, all in shadow, we have a guy with a backwards cap and his hair sticking out the little front of the cap. Remember when caps, I guess some still do, your cheaper caps, had the uh, little half dome um, in the back where the little uh, strap was with the little buttons? Um, Now, if you were a troublemaker, or as my mother-in-law likes to say, a dead-end kid, I don't know if that is offensive to anybody or not. I've never really, I've really only heard her say it, and maybe, maybe in the Newsies musical, it may also exist, I don't know, but anyway, um, you know, you turn your cap backwards, and your, your rebellious hair sticks out the front, I will not lie, I'm pretty sure I did that a couple of times when I was a teenager, but, but what I never did, though, was do that, and also hold a big handgun, um, and this guy's doing that, and he looks like he's probably the guy that shot Wolverine up, um, but yeah, some real, like I said, I don't really know Kirk Jarvanen or Yarvanen, and I don't know if we'll see him again or if I'll see him again in my 
flashback read along uh, homework but um but it's a good cover it's a nice cover um, and yeah it's a nice cover so in this issue we have uh, Logan sweet talking his way out of a really big parking ticket when he picks up his motorcycle where it was parked by World Trade Center for the past few story arcs so an indefinite amount of time and really long um, and he does a really good job. Uh, some fun dialogue there as he talks his way out of it. Then we follow Tracy, a junkie who drove his dad to the grave, meets up his mom, steals her gun, robs a convenience store where he worked, also kills the owner and cashier, drives drunk, runs over a kid's bike after intentionally terrifying him, and then runs over Logan on his motorcycle, literally crashing him out of his clothes which Logan doesn't take too kindly to getting run over and ruining his wardrobe. So he double snicks the car. Tracy gets out and empties the gun into Logan, which of course accomplishes very little. Earlier, a cop had um, had to shoot a rabid dog, and she is also the mom of the kids on the bike. So she sees Tracy as just another rabid dog and shoots him down as well. Now Logan had remembered his dog, Blue, you're my boy, Blue! Uh, with Silver Fox, who got rabies, like Old Yeller. But Logan would not shoot him, so Silver Fox had to do it for him, which he was not very appreciative of. Um, and that's our story. Uh, really, the only note I have on the art is we get a snicked on page 24, where we should get a snacked. He pulls his claws in with a snicked, and... You may say, Jason, man, that's really nitpicky. Yes, yes it is. But it's also right. <laughs> so, um, yeah. Then we get a snack, but we should have got a snack. Um, I like Larry Hammer a lot. This one is total filler. I like the idea, right? I actually do appreciate the attempt at a dog day in the life. Um, but this Tracy character is just too much. Um, it's just, there's, there's, he's too bad. He's too much of a douche. Um, and such a cartoon that you don't really get, like, the, uh, the sense of justice when he finally gets his comeuppance. Um, I do like that Wolverine, in both instances, was trying to find a different way out. Both when he remembers his rabid dog, he's like, and remembers that he couldn't put the dog down. And he, you know, he identified, well, what if I ever, you know, go berserk? Someone's going to need to put me down, right? Um, and then he also, at the end, even though this guy, by all intents and purposes, should have brought the berserker out. Like, he ran over Wolverine, he pumped him full of lead, and, and Logan's still like, you know what, I'm going to try to defuse it. And then the cop comes up and shoots him instead, um, which... I think this story is not the right kind of story to segue into any kind of diatribe about um, police violence. Um, you know, I know there are times when it's necessary. I also know there's a lot of times when that is abused. And we've seen definite, definite social situations where it's abused for not just like the power trip reasons, but just for wrong terrible reasons as well um 
This is really not that kind of story though, so I don't want I don't want to get off the deep end into too much of that. It didn't remind me of that. Um, you know, the police officer kind of unjustly shooting the guy. Well, or or I guess you could argue maybe it was just depending on your perspective and your worldview and your politics and whatnot. But um, she saw it as a threat. Also, kind of wonder, you know, how much that maternal instinct kicked in, and this guy just terrorized her kids, and you know, it probably made her a little more trigger happy than she might have been if the situation were the same but had not involved her kids. Um, so, and you know, can't entirely blame if, it, if there's anything where I I lose my mind and abandon my my extreme pacifism um, it would be in a situation where someone's threatening my kids or I feel like my kids are threatened and that would bring out the uh, the daddy bear in me and so um, but Hama does also take one thing I appreciated the opportunity to remind us of Silver Fox because that's going to play into the next story arc so kind of some of the flashback to Wolverine number 10 in that situation and then just reminding us who Silver Fox is and what she means to Wolverine um, will definitely play into the next story arc. So I thought that was cool. Um, the art is not real great in this issue either. Um, actually, I kind of dislike it in a lot of places. Um, it's just not really... It's very kind of pedestrian. <laughs> art. So, all in all, there's a couple of things I liked. A couple of little character beats with Wolverine that were nice, but overall, a very unsatisfying issue. Um, I think the art, whereas the writing could have landed on a three, even with some of the cartoonish elements and over-the-top characterization, I think the art's going to definitely drag this down into two out of six claws. Uh, I really don't like the art. Um, Alright. So, that's going to take us to Bloody Choices. Which is a prestige, I think that's what they call that, prestige format uh, graphic novel. Which is written by Tom DeFalco. Art by John Bashima. Colors by Gregory Wright. Letters by Janice Chang. Um... The cover, I'm assuming, is Mishima. It's kind of painted. Um, got a lot of like paint splatter, almost a fire-looking background. And then just a fist with three claws out. Blood on the end of the claws and an eye patch. Um, very intricately hanging be- between and off of the claws. Um, it's a cool cover, though. I won't lie. Like, I, I, I like it. The back cover is also really cool. It's uh, one of the internal panels of Bushima's Wolverine uh, cut through a barbed wire fence. And then, of course, we have the cover again with no words as the last page. And then the first page has a really cool inset like title page. It's just white with a Wolverine logo and the title on the bottom and then just red blood splatter across the page. Um... It looks pretty cool. Um, I won't lie. It, it looks it looks pretty nice. Um, and then um, there's also like 
I, I guess you want to call it a triple title page. So we have the title page with the blood splatter. Then we open up to another title page, a double page title page with the credits. And this one is just a really bluish green night sky with some grass and weeds and stuff like in black in the front. Then a really big white full moon on one side of the page under the title. Then the other side a hunched over battered Wolverine walking through the grass in all shadow. Um, it's really cool. Uh, it looks really nice. I'm very, very happy to have John Mishima back doing some Wolverine art. Uh, just get that out of the way. Um, so we'll probably spend a little bit more time on this story. Not a real long time. Um, but basically, we're in Hawaii. And Wolverine is on Hawaii. Trying to take a vacation. And it's, it's not going to work. Um, because, you know, no hero can take a vacation without something going horribly wrong. Um, so there's this gangster. Uh, runs a cartel. He's a terrible guy, and this kid comes in with a gun and tries to shoot him, but it's an enforcer who looks a lot like a Hawaiian Wolverine with a mustache, has Wolverine hair and sideburns. Um, he pulls a knife out and throws it at the kid. Wolverine had had smelled the fear and the gun on the kid and followed and see what was going to happen. So he tackles the kid just in the nick of time to spare him from the knife um now this drug lord guy the czar drug czar is a very overweight slovenly like bald just kind of a gross like intentionally gross looking guy he's got food like hanging out of his mouth half the time um and he has this accountant guy um mr capeland um anyway he's just kind of a gross he's kind of, just kind of a i hate you know, there, there was a thing in the 90s where there was a lot of fat shaming with villains, and I don't want to contribute to that, but this guy is just kind of gross. He just intentionally is just greasy looking and, and all that. But anyway, Wolverine saves the kid, makes an enemy with uh, this guy who also has pointy ears, by the way. We see his ears. He's also got pointy ears. And his name is... Um, Oh, so the, the, the drug guy's name is Bullfinch, Mr. Bullfinch, and uh, what is this guy's name? Uh, I'll probably say it later. Shoot. Uh, I'll look for it. I did not write it down. Um, our anti-Wolverine. But So Wolverine, or Logan, takes the kid to the hospital, um, finds out that he's got a lot of scars on his back and fresh wounds. And it turns out the kid had escaped from Bullfinch was going to murder him or, or try to shoot him and find his brother, who he thinks Bullfinch still has. And, okay, so uh, a couple episodes ago when Mr. Wilson, we were talking about perceptions, I gave kind of a warning that we're going to talk about some dark stuff. Um, there's, there's a lot of child sexual abuse in this story, so if that's something you don't want to hear about, I'm not going to go into gory detail at all. And the story doesn't really either. But this guy is definitely a predator. And abuses his power to um, take advantage of, of just these kids in a really terrible way. And it's, it's, it is explicitly sexual 
um, in this story and not as quite as vague as McFarlane was DeFalco spells it out a little more um, so if you'd rather just kind of skip this part I understand um, we do have some other comments to talk about that may or may not be worth coming back for <laughs> but um, yeah but I'm not you know just like on the perception story not going to go into a lot of detail um, but just the thought of this really gross person um, molesting and abusing and, and being violent with young boys um, obviously against their will if that bothers you you may want to they want to bow out on this one. Um, and what I mean is, if that, like, triggers you or makes you, un- I guess it should bother you. It bothers me. It, and any ra- rational person with a moral compass is going to be very bothered by the fact that that happens not only in fiction but in real life and is disgusting and, and gruesome and needs to be fought against. Um, so that's not the kind of bother I meant. Um, I'm more or less if it's going to like you know give you issues um sorry I'm not very good at trying to explain what I'm trying to say here but um anyway kind of carrying on with the story um the doctor is going to take care of the boy Logan leaves him there says I gotta go take care of this stuff try to find his brother the kid stays with you no matter what I'll come back you owe me uh because apparently he Dr. Corbell had runs his clinic. He's a sleaze bag, and Wolverine has helped him out before or spared him before, and so he counts on the doctor taking care of the kid. Um, goes back to his hotel, gets an envelope warning him to stay out of business, and it smells like a certain cigar that we know as Nick Fury. Um, so Wolverine goes to a bar. He's trying to find some chatter, um, and he finds Nick Fury, who says, Hey, I thought I told you to butt out, and Wolverine's like, You know I'm not going to. So he gets his work clothes on, he finds out some information about this freighter, he goes on the freighter, we get a cool thing where he climbs up the ship chains, he goes below deck, cuts open some crates, finds coffee and drugs and cocaine, which is drugs, and then he, uh, finds his, uh, anti-Wolverine to some gangsters, and, um, he says something familiar about the sound of his voice, um, and the guy, he's smoking, like Wolverine smoking, he says, have we met before? Well, whatever, I don't care, shoot him, and so they try to shoot him, which obviously doesn't really matter, um, Wolverine takes the guys out fairly easily. The last few guys, he cuts open the side of the ship and starts to flood the uh, sub subcargo area. Uh, the anti-Wolverine gets away um, as he floods the ship. He swims out, climbs his way on the dock where he meets, meets Nick Fury again. He's like, come on, dude, stay out of this. And he's like, I can't. This uh, bullfinch guy is abusing kids. I saved one of them. I'm going to find his brother, and i got to do it. And Nick Fury's like, no, we're about to flip this guy. We need him. We need this information. It's for the greater good. And he's like, and Wolverine's like, even if it's a sexual predator? He's like, I know, it sucks. You know, I'd like to put him down, but, but we can't. we got to take him in alive. And Wolverine's like, well, we'll see. Um, 
So they kind of have a disagreement. They go to a bar. Um, you know, they have some. <laughs> what uh, a guy says. Uh, someone got lost on his way to the pineapple parade when he sees Wolverine's costume, and kind of makes some inappropriate like. Um, it kind of does like the 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 hand thing where you know people did in the '90s making fun of uh, homosexual guys. Um, that's not too cool. But um, but then it, it is a really funny line though where he goes, "You're supposed to be a cheap imitation of the bat guy." You know, he's got the cow, and it's funny because there's a lot of similarities sometimes between Wolverine art and Batman art. So I thought that was kind of a metatextual good joke. Um, he says, no, I'm just a grittier version of the Easter Bunny. Here's an egg for you. And he punches him. Um, moose. And so, yeah. So, Wolverine and Nick Fury fight some more about uh, the child molester and eye patches. Fury says, um, back off. I'm telling you, last time, back off. And Wolverine says, I think about it. Thanks for the beer. And, of course, he's not going to think about it. What he does think about on the dock is... Being a kid lost in the woods, um, you know, trusting his own feral instincts um, simply because his body contained a healing factor. Um, and he's like, no, I owe this to the children. And so, um, you know, the trouble with being king, he says, is everyone knows where to find you. So he finds Bullfinch's palace, um, the estate. He pops in, knocks out the guard. Um, oh, guess who's also there? Nick Fury. And he's like, ah, oh, I knew you wouldn't leave it alone. Like, I promised. And he says, well, can I wait till after the bust? Drugs ruin lives too. Like, we need to stop the drug trade, not just kill the guy. There's more, there's a bigger picture you gotta look at. And Wolverine's like, well, um, you know, the kid may not have time for you to do this the right way. I need to get in there. I need to save the kid. Probably kill the guy. Um, and then Nick Fury tries to trump Wolverine with S.H.I.E.L.D. says, I got the S.H.I.E.L.D. jacket. I know we just had a mission together. <laughs> but um, I'm, I'm overruling you. And um, they're about to argue some more. But a kid comes flying out the window. And it's the kid he left with the doctor. I guess um, the doctor had turned him over to Wolfinch under pressure. Um, and this makes Wolverine really mad in a great panel. Um, and he says, all bets are off, Fury. And now Fury's even seen enough. I guess talking about molestation and abusing children, he was unhappy, but he's willing to kind of overlook it for the quote-unquote greater good. But when he actually is confronted with the body of the dead kid... He's like, nope, never mind. Count me in. Do your thing, Wolverine. And so a bunch of criminals come out. They're going to shoot him up. Um, but Wolverine says, stupid fools are only wasting their ammunition and their lives. And Nick Fury throws a grenade. Uh, Bullfinch is getting very nervous. Um, you know, I don't, you know, I'm thinking about it. I don't think they named this guy. Uh, the anti-Wolverine, because um, he's like, I expect you to provide me with sufficient time to escape, my friend. I'll pay you more. And he's like, I understand. 
Um, oh, he has a southern accent, by the way. So he says, I understand, Mr. B. Um, so they gear up the helicopter. Wolverine yells, Bullfinch, I'm coming for you. Mr. Capelin gets on the copter. Bullfinch is following him. And um, the anti-Wolverine stops him. He's like, you might still catch him if you move quick enough. He's like, what about you? He says, little old me? Well, bro, I can be a serious problem. And they start fighting. And, uh, you know, it's a nice, very well choreographed, drawn fight. Um, they go at each other. And Wolverine just keeps, has this nagging feeling that like he knows this guy. Or maybe re- they have a past together. Um, there's some half memories. He's like, where did you come from? What's your name? Oh, yeah. His name is Shiv. You want to know why? And he doesn't have a mutant claw, I don't think. Or maybe he does. They don't really explain it. But he has one claw that pops out of his sleeve from the back of his hand. And he stabs Wolverine. He says, and I'll bet you can guess why. And um, Wolverine's like, ugh. Yeah, it's going to heal, but I'm, this sucks. And uh, Shiv gets away. Gets on the plane. Uh, Nick Fury rescues Wolverine. <laughs> puts him on a gurney. Um, and uh, Nick Fury's like, alright, well. He goes to the car and Wolverine's like, hey, I'm kind of healed, so uh, get on in. And they they take a... Well, I guess it's not a car. Oh, yeah. Well, they're in a flying car, but then they're like on the interior of... I guess they go to like a helicarrier or some kind of base. Um, Nick Fury's having trouble finding him. Um, but um, someone does. The lawyer calls. He wants to make a deal. So they go to pick him up. Wolverine's really mad because uh, the deal is um, Bullfinch will reveal everything he knows about the cartel, uh, distribution routes, the names of the custom officials on the payroll, everything. But he wants immunity. Wolverine's like, no way. And Nick Fury's like, well, actually, um, this guy has no say. Don't listen to him. Uh, there's a big picture. So he's gone back to the big picture idea, which makes Wolverine very pissed. But he's like, dude, Wolverine, the cartel is killing kids by the thousand with drugs and violence. Um, it's destroying our country. I really don't have a choice. And Wolverine's like, bull. But he sulks off. Um, and so Nick Fury gets Bullfinch, takes him to a, uh, secret undisclosed location for questioning um and you know some of his agents are even like are we this guy's disgusting are we really doing this and Nick Fury's like keep your mouth shut you gold bricks um (laughs) but yeah so they they go he promises the guy that um he'll be well taken care of and he'll have immunity course he's not happy with his accommodations which is like a little shack he's like i'm a man of fine taste i need some amenities he's like well we'll do what we can but then he they go down to the basement through a secret shield like vacuum elevator um and there they're going to talk about what information he's going to give up and he says you know the thing about the cartels are they're going to be annoyed they won't do anything reckless. Um, their only interest is the bottom line 
and they know that I can protect myself. It would be a long, drawn-out war if they came after me. It's not worth their money or their time. So Wolverine goes back to see the doctor, and the doctor said, no more monkeys jumping on the bed. But he also said, I, I can't help it. Uh, he comes to me for kids. Um, you know... He punches the doctor into the wall, breaks his glasses, bloodies up his face. Um, you know, he got benefits from the drug cartel. Wolverine's about to kill him and says, I'll tell you where he is. I know where the kid's brother is, too, where he stockpiles his merchandise. It just made me sick to my stomach. I mean, I know there's a certain detachment from people that assist in these kind of criminal activities, but to refer to these kids... That stockpile merchandise is really, I think intentionally so. This is the bad guy, right? Supposed to leave a bad taste in my mouth. But it's really, it's kind of made my stomach turn a little bit. Um, but so he's like, all right, well, talk. So Wolverine goes to find the kid. There's a really awesome scene where he comes out of the Hawaiian beach with the moon behind him. And it's all dark. It's really cool. A really nice scene. Uh, he goes up on the base. But the children are all gone. But you can smell their sense and their fear. And he's pretty upset. And he, he, he declares he's going to avenge all of them. But then someone walks in with a rifle and says, What's the matter, fancy pants? Don't have anything to say? And Wolverine thinks, No, just something to do. And the lawyer and Shiv are still at this compound. They had just cleaned it out. And they hear Wolverine murder the guard. Um... So Shiv's like, a ghost, a ghost with claws has come to haunt me. You get out of here, I'll take him. I got the skill. And Wolverine's like, surprised to see me? He's like, not at all, bro. I figured you for a fast healer. So am I. There's more than a passing similarity between the two of us. Why, well, we can almost be. Wolverine says, don't say it, don't even think it, and punches him. Because I don't know who you really are, I don't care. You didn't exist before all this started, and you won't exist when it's over. And he's like, that's fine of me. By the time I'll finish here, nothing's going to exist for you. And he pops shivs out of both of his arms and stabs Wolverine again. Um, and throws him into the pool. And Wolverine starts to sink. But he's instead of escaping, Shiv dives in after him. And, um... He goes, we're not brothers. My animal instinct tells me we never were. And this part is a little, maybe weak. Uh, they build this up, right? The suspense of this guy. He looks kind of like Wolverine. Sure, he's from the south. But he's also got these blades, which look like they're probably artificial from his sleeves. But, and they're metal. So if they're like mutant anything... He would have also had to have been bonded somehow. Which, maybe he could have been, right? So there's all these like allusions to these similarities. Just like we've had allusions to Wild Child and Sabretooth. And here's another guy, Shiv. Um, and the way Wolverine rules out the connection is just instinct. The instinct tells him the truth. We're not related. We never were. And armed with that knowledge, <laughs> I spring to, into my attack. Um, we're just two men who share certain physical characteristics and a uh, penchant for violence. Um, the half-formed memories that he evoked were merely the maybes, the possibilities. 
the path of other harsher choices that might have taken my life. And that part I really like, right? The idea where he says, this could have been me. And this is kind of a dark mirror. Like, I like that aspect of the story. It's just he so easily concludes that that's all it is. That part's a little weird. Um, but the rest of it I really dig. Um, you know, speed, stamina, prowess, healing factor. But that's our only kinship. It's a really cool underwater fight. Um... But Wolverine's dedicated to win. He punches uh, Shiv into the side of the pool, bloodies up his face, and um, he tells Wolverine to quit calling him bro. But when he's about to kill him, Shiv says, I know where Bullfinch is and the kid. And he goes, another choice, another bloody choice. That's the name of the book. Go buy on shelves now. Um... But Wolverine gets the information of the undisclosed shield location where they're keeping Bullfinch. And where apparently they're also keeping Paulo, the kid's brother. Because the lawyer shows up with him. And says, when we talked about certain amenities, um, this uh, Bullfinch is Paulo's uncle. And he just wants to spend some time together. Is there a problem with that? And Nick Fury's like, you're damn right there's a problem with that. A hell of a problem. And now the agents have to call him down. But, um, you know, Bullfinch is like, oh, I thought you were professional. Calm down. Um, you know, maybe my lawyer overstepped his boundaries by bringing the kid here. Let's just let bygones be bygones. Um, but Fury's like, nope, I've had enough. But then also... There's an alarm. A lone intruder has breached the compound. And I think Fury knows that it's Wolverine. So he's going to try to get everybody out. And um, he tells the kid, you go with the agents. They're going to look out for you. i got to take care of something. And here's where we get the awesome panel of Wolverine cutting through the barbed wire. Um, and he says, I swear that you have never seen true hell yet. But it's coming. And hell's coming with me. Um, and Fury has a bullfinch and the lawyer. He's not too happy with him. But he knows that Wolverine's coming. He's going to try to stand between them. And um, he goes, I found the kid. He's safe. You can calm down. And he's like, no, it's still got unfinished business. And Nick Fury, they close in on his eyes. Says, I'm real sorry you feel that way. And close in on Wolverine's mouth, grimacing with his little fangs and says, yeah, so am I. And he lunges at Fury. Um, one moment his eyes are begging me to back off, Wolverine thinks. But the very next, the bent fingers are flashing toward my jugular. Um, and he punches Wolverine down. Wolverine rolls with the punch. Um, he says, you can't do this. And Nick Fury's like, last warning. I'm part of S.H.I.E.L.D. Let me do my job. Um, and he wraps Wolverine up with like this stick of wire. That like shoots like uh, this wire. That like a restraining cable. But of course Wolverine pops his claws and cuts his way out of it. So then Nick Fury shoots him with gas from his belt. Um, but it just makes Wolverine kind of crazy. Um... And to rely on instinct, and he punches Fury through a cabin wall. Um, and you can't see, you can barely smell um, 
No, I guess uh, the gas blinds him, sorry. But he can still smell. Um, and he's going to track uh, Bullfinch down. Um, so he runs away from Fury. Fury chases him down. Um, they fight some more. He tackles Fury outside. Some really good, good fighting, really good internal dialogue. Um, the lawyer resigns. The cartels have offered him more money. Um, so he's like, I'm going to go work for them. Sorry, boss. Um, Wolverine tells Fury to stay down. Fury shocks him with his light shield-powered taser. Um, Fury begs him, quit fighting while we're both still breathing. Um, Wolverine says the animal wants to run, but it can't. So he gets shocked again. Um, but he's eventually able to fight his way through the energy and cut up the taser. And, um, Wolverine tells Fury no hard feelings. And Fury says, you know what? It's all right. I told the guy I would protect him. I tried my best. And <laughs> you beat me. <laughs> Go kill him. <laughs> so it's kind of a, it's kind of dumb, but it kind of fits with Nick Fury, like in his machismo, where like, hey, I couldn't just let you have him because I'm, I promised to, you know, shield and the guy that I'd protect him and bring him alive, so I had to put up a, uh, a good effort. But, you know, you won. Like, I knew you would. I wasn't running my fastest. <laughs> but Wolverine says, you did fine, Nick. No one could have done better. Um, too bad Bullfinch won't be able to thank you in person. So Wolverine stalks off into the moonlight with a fury slumped in the grass. Another great panel. Um... The lawyer gets on the plane. Wolverine catches him and says, Hey, you don't want me. You want him. And he's in there. And so he gets in the he sorry, a helicopter, not a plane. And he flies off. Um, Wolverine jumps after him. Cuts the helicopter. It blows up. Wolverine falls to the ground. Um, says, I should be dead, but I'm not. He's all tattered now. He walks into the moonlight. Uh... Wolfinch hears him and runs without kind of looking where he's going and runs into the barbed wire and kind of gets caught in the barbed wire. He says, I'm not an animal. You can't hunt me. I'm a man. I can't help who I am. It's not my fault. Um, I need understanding, treatment, therapy, not punishment. I never meant to hurt anybody. Don't kill me. And he starts begging for his life with all his excuses. Um, and interesting enough, parallel to Wolverine 47 uh, Wolverine says he's nothing more than a rabid dog beaten terrified, helpless innocent as a child maybe it is unfair maybe I should have let him live and he goes yeah right psych and we don't see him kill Bullfinch we see a panel of Bullfinch in full terror and red and Wolverine just howling in pure rage um and it's definitely inferred that Wolverine cuts him up. So, bloody choices. Art is great. Coloring is great. Love seeing Mishima back. Um, drawn Wolverine, I think I said that already. But it's really, really good. Um, art's really fantastic. The story it has a few kind of weak points. Um... Fury being too Fury, which, you know, I, I talked about when uh, 
when Grant was on the show, uh, when we did the that that Shield series story arc, I just, I don't think I'm just necessarily a big fan of of Nick Fury. Um, kind of is too macho and just too too tough guy for me to really appreciate. Um, but overall, the plot was was good. There's a sense of justice for seeing this disgusting villain kind of get his his comeuppance. Um, and again, just the idea of Wolverine really playing into his compassion, right? He's on this vacation. He's trying to get away before he goes back to see the X-Men. But he sees something and he can't help but intervene. Like He just can't help himself. He has to to help these kids because he has to because that's who he is uh, which I love that part uh, DeFalco I, uh, the internal narration is really good um, you know some of the I don't I don't know I don't really love like I said the way he writes Fury but I think he writes them like Fury so I, I don't pin that on DeFalco um there's a couple of things where there's come maybe kind of insinuated homophobia, which I wasn't real happy with. Um, and even at the end, where Wolverine almost questions, like, well, is it really this guy's fault when yes, yes it is? Um, now, okay, you want to really get into the psychology. I don't think it's the guy's fault that like what he is quote unquote attracted to. There are some times that, that people are going to deal with that, but they have to deal with it in a healthy way by seeking help. You know, the fact is that this guy had these urges, these feelings, instead of saying, oh, I need treatment, he should have already gotten treatment. The fact that he didn't and the fact that he acted on these impulses is what makes him the bad guy here. And in real life, there are people that need help, but when they act on something that is this base, this disgusting, this horrible, they're the bad guy. And maybe Wolverine shouldn't kill them. You know, maybe that's not the real life solution, but in a fictional story, it's a satisfying solution. Because um, this guy's just gross, and he's hurt innocent children in a really, really terrible way. And you're okay with the fact that Wolverine eviscerates him because I don't know if ever there was a time for comic book vigilante justice to exist in the real world, sex criminals and sexual predators, especially against children, are the people that you would deserve to be on the end of the clause. Um, that's not to say that people don't need help. People do need help, but they need. Um, but once you take the action and actually do something that bad, there's no freedom from consequences. And there shouldn't be. I mean, obviously, people get away with it, and that's terrible and horrible. But, you know, what? maybe death isn't the answer, but there definitely should be serious, serious judicial, societal consequences for actually acting on those kinds of things. Like I said, just dealing with it and thinking about it and trying to get help and, and fix it, that's something else. But to act on it, and then, you know, to also be a drug lord on top of that, there's really no sympathy for this guy. And he's not portrayed sympathetically at all until the very, very end. And even then, it's just Wolverine questioning 
whether there should be sympathy. Um, so yeah, I don't know. Um, overall, a pretty good story. Um, uncomfortable story, but a good story. I'm kind of torn between a four or five out of six claws. Um, I really enjoyed the art. I thought the writing was pretty good. Um, it's definitely not a six. There's too many, like the whole Shiv build up, not like immediately being dismissed. Um, was unsatisfying a little bit. But I think just the art, the art makes up for it. I think I'm going to go five out of six claws. Because the art really, really sells it. Alright, so next up we have Damage Control number four. Now this is the second volume, at least, of excuse me, of Damage Control. This is Cleanliness is Next to Godliness. And this is written by Dwayne McDuffie, art by Ernie Cologne, letters by Brad K. Joyce, colors by Brad Vancata, um, and our cover is also by Cologne, and it's the Cosmic Debris Saga Part 4 of 4. And it's Secret Wars, question mark, more like Secret Boars, Infinity Gauntlet, Infinity Gauntlet, and this is it. The story's so big, we needed an extra page to tell it. And the art is really, really cartoony in a Mad Magazine way, almost. Um... Yeah, I don't really like the, the cover. But Wolverine's on it with Ghost Rider. Um, so, in all honesty, should probably have done this after we covered Infinity Gauntlet, which is, by the way, is the next flashback episode. But I did not think it was fair to spring this on any guest host, because it's not good. Um, basically, the gist is damage control is found by Silver Surfer. They have this employee who finds a, a gym or a of power and he decides he has to clean up everything in the world and the way to do that because the world's so bad is to destroy it and we have a council of the elders uh lord chaos and master order galactus death the in-betweener oblivion infinity um the cosmic congress they call it um and uh, one of the damage control guys says, I don't know, sir, for these guys are like a bunch of perfume brands experience Oblivion. Best panel of the of the book. Um, actually, his affinity art is not bad. Um, it's kind of cool. Kind of psychedelic in some ways. But anyway, they decide they have to destroy this guy, but it turns out in the end, after they've tried to gather all of our heroes, including Wolverine, in the background, his little head popping up behind Vision. But in the end, the damage control guys are like, you know what, we don't have to kill him. We're just going to fire him. He's like, what do you mean? How can you fire me? My job is to clean up stuff. i got to clean up the universe by destroying it. And they're like, well, no, you don't have to clean up stuff anymore. You don't have a job with us anymore. He's like, oh, well, in that case, never mind. Pretty dumb. And the art's pretty terrible. It's intentionally cartoony, but it's not for me. Um... This is a hard one out of six claws for me. I did not really enjoy it at all. Um, the humor didn't really work for me. So when it's trying to be funny and I'm not laughing, you know, I don't really know what else to do. All right. 
Oh, strap in, guys. We have four more comics. I'm going to try to do them fairly quickly. We have She-Hulk 29 and 30. This is the sensational She-Hulk 29 and 30. Um, These are, I believe everything's the same, but let me double check real fast. The Fourth Wall and Beyond, written by Louise Simonson, Wheezy. Art by Tom Morgan, inks by James Sanders III, letters by Jim Novak, colors by Glennis Oliver, cover by Mike Zeck. Um, then we have number 30, A Change of State, part two. Um, oh, this time the inks are by Tom, uh, sorry, Jim Sanders and Keith Williams. And Glennis Oliver gets a coloring assist from Marie Javins, or Yavins. Um, cover also by Mike Zeck. On 29, the cover we have She-Hulk in some business dress, a miniskirt, and a halter top. Webbed up by Spider-Man's webs, and he's hanging upside down. He says, whoops, kind of funny, like a premature webbing kind of joke. And it's well drawn. It's just a... It's a pretty cool cover. It's pretty funny. So, anyway, this one. While She-Hulk is in court trying to sue the U.S. government to publicly disclose info on space aliens, Professor Sanderson, looking for entertainment from beyond the fourth wall, pulls heroes and villains out of time to fight She-Hulk, including Venom, both a Grey and Green Hulk, Wolverine, Spider-Man, and X-Factor's ship. So, um, there's an unfortunate page where Venom literally uses uses a symbiote to tear She-Hulk's clothes off. Sigh. The art is not bad. Um, story's fine. There's not much for plot. And as clever as it wants to be... Um, it's not so much. Um, and the Wolverine part... Um... He comes in, he cuts up the flying car, um, and She-Hulk grabs him as he flies, as he starts to fall, and she says, how do you know who I am? And he says, you're, you're big, green, and beautiful, darling, who else could you be? And She-Hulk says, why are you trying to kill me? He's like, I, I don't know, um, uh, I was supposed to, and, well, huh. And as he pawns it, he's uh, he's blipped out and sent back to his own time. He talks about he was trying to fight the Juggernaut, so probably from the story with Colossus, where they fought the Juggernaut in the bar. Um, I'm going to guess that's where he came from. He is in his brown and tan costume, so it can't be a really early Juggernaut story. Um, anyway, yeah, that's that one. So 30, the cover is... She-Hulk trying to punch Hobgoblin, throwing a pumpkin bomb. And uh, she says, Ah, oh, come on, I didn't plan for you until Halloween. Um, it's a cool cover. I like Zack's Hobgoblin. His She-Hulk does not look as good on this one as it did on 29. But anyway, oh, turns out it was actually Apocalypse's, Apocalypse's ship, because it was before X-Factor. But he detects a power source at the university, they send him back. Because the people that pulled him in don't want to be discovered. So next up is Silver Surfer, Iron Man, Human Torch, and Thor. 
Iron Man also confirms the location of the power source for She-Hulk. So this round of heroes is also promptly dispatched to their original time and space. Then it's Hobgoblin, followed by Reed Richards, then a bunch of villains, including Sabretooth. So he shows up in this one, not Wolverine. Uh, but She-Hulk finds the machine and destroys it. Turns out Professor Sanderson was a supervillain from really old comics who wanted to stake a claim in our universe just to be remembered. Art is a little worse than this one. Writing's about the same. I like Wheezy. I didn't really enjoy these issues very much. Um, I'm going to go two out of six for both of these. Um, sorry. Alright, now we also have two issues of Excalibur. Issue 40 and 41. By the way, I mentioned a lot of people in this episode. Uh, so go listen to Sentinel of Liberty, Grant, and his new Spider-Man 2099 podcast. And go listen to Excaliburos, who cover old Excalibur issues on the regs. Alright. Number 40, The Trial of Lockheed. Is, um... Written by... Oh, sorry. It's by Lobdell, Hoover, Candelario, and Dazan, Mancata, and Oakley. And they don't say who does what. And I don't remember. Um... But the cover is by Hoover as well. And it's Lockheed on trial in chains in front of a Graham Poopa uh, dragon. And other dragons pointing at him and the judge dragon has thumbs down. And on the monitor is a digitized planet Earth. So I love this cover. It's really good. It's really nice. So um, Excalibur takes a... Excuse me. Excalibur takes a gravely injured Lockheed to Britain's best hospital to try and save his life. He had gotten injured fighting Dr. Doom in Limbo in the previous storyline, which we, I think I may have barely mentioned. I know I at least tweeted about it because there was a uh, Limbo Demon Wolverine there uh, fighting for Dr. Doom. Anyway, Lockheed got hurt really, really bad. So while under the knife, his soul is called up to the Dragon spaceship where Lockheed is put on trial for abandoning his race for humans. Which, by the way, if found guilty in Dragonship, he faces the death sentence. The whole trial is in a Susian-type rhyme, which is really fun. Uh, Lockheed defends himself by telling the story of his adventures with the X-Men and Excalibur, which of course includes Wolverine. Um, the dragons find Lockheed guilty, but commute his sentence after he saves their ship instead of taking an opportunity to escape during the fiasco. He is given the choice to stay or go, but they will not forgive him twice, so if he leaves and returns to Excalibur, he is forever banished. It's a hard decision for him, but he goes home and wakes up to find the quote-unquote dead X-Men have come to visit him in the hospital. So the art is pretty good. The story is very endearing. Very endearing. I like it a lot. Um, the rhyming is kind of like, uh, maybe kind of silly, but also just clever and just endearing, man. It's just really, really gives you some good insight into Lockheed and makes you just love him even more. Um, yeah. So, issue 41, Deja Vu all over again. Um, this one 
is written by Scott Lundell and Dana Morshed. A story, I'm sorry, pictures and art is by Dave Hoover and then Ivy and Candelario. Uh, Bill Oakley and all does the letters. Oliver and Thomas do the colors. The cover is by Dave Hoover again, this time with an homage to Alan Davis. And we have the X-Men fighting Excalibur. Ah, this is a pretty good cover. Wolverine is slicing his way through Kitty Pride, um, so that's interesting. Um, yeah. So in this one, of course, turns out the X-Men are actually werewolves. Uh, Nightcrawler sends them home with a side plot involving the Brotherhood of Evil Office Furniture. Not kidding. Um, but the fake reunion does make the Excalibur long for a real reunion since they have found out the X-Men are not dead from the Genosian newscast, or, you know, of course, the Extinction Agenda story. Um, Kenny and Nightcrawler are nervous that they'll be pressured to go home, but talk about it together, and they're really confident about Excalibur and wanting to stay there. Brian worries about his new Asian sister. How will that feel? It'll be awkward. Rachel is worried that Wolverine will try to kill her again and finish what he started in the Secret Wars Part 2. But they put all that aside and call the X-Men when they reach Cable and get a preview team shot of all the new teams on Cable's monitor. So we actually do have a slight real Wolverine appearance besides just the fake Warwolves where we see the uh, X-Men... Uh, oh. Gosh, I'm suddenly having trouble remembering which team is gold and which team is blue. And that is terrible. Oh my gosh, I'm going to really hurt myself. Um, the Uncanny team is gold, right? The Adjectiveless team is blue? Holy crap, I can't believe I'm forgetting this. This is terrible, guys. I'm going to have to edit this out. Or at least pretend to edit this out. Um... Okay, hold on. 90s. X-Men. Gold team. I am exactly wrong. No, I'm not. I was right. Yeah. Blue team, adjectiveless, uncanny, gold team. Good grief. I'm really annoyed with myself. But anyway... But we get a a screenshot of all the different new teams. Of course, Cable has his X-Force team, and we see that lineup. And we have the Blue team with Gambit, Psylocke, Rogue, Cyclops, Wolverine, and Beast. Then the Uncanny Gold team with Colossus, Jean Grey, Archangel, Iceman, and Storm at this point. And then the new X-Factor team, which we're about to see, with uh, Strong Guy, Havoc, Multiple Man, Polaris... Wolfsbane, and, um, yeah, another multiple man. <laughs> so you know he's multiple. Um, yeah, that's pretty cool. And Excalibur, I forgot, or didn't know that I wasn't reading at the time, also gets kind of a, an overhaul with the return of Alan Davis the same month that all the other books restart. Um, so in one month... We get um, 
Alan Davis returning to Excalibur, so new creative team there. We get the split between Uncanny and X-Men number one, and we get X-Force number one all at the same time. That's pretty rad. That's a pretty big deal, I think. But anyway, back to these comics. Uh, art's pretty good in both of them. Story in 41 is also very endearing. Um, really gives you the sense of family for the X-Men. Uh, the, the spell from this crystal that makes the office furniture get possessed is, is fun. Um, so the art may not be my favorite. But the stories are really good, and I'm going to give both of these, Excalibur's 40 and 41, a pretty strong 5 out of 6 claws, that with a little bit better art, particularly in 41, because the art's not quite as good in that one as in 40, could have maybe edged into 6 territory. Um, but as it stands, a very strong 5 out of 6 claws for both of these books, um, as Lobdell wraps up his Excalibur little mini run. Um, yeah. So that is that. Hope you enjoyed it. Um, not too long of an episode, but kind of clears the plate. So the next flashback episode will be Infinity Gauntlet. I got some pretty cool stuff, I hope, lined up for that. I'm working on it. Um, what will be after that? No, that's the wrong note. Um... Oh, after that, it'll be Hearts of Darkness. I'm gonna try to get Ethan on for that if he's willing. So hopefully so. And then um, we'll have one more Marvel Comics present story, and then X Men number one. After that, pretty rad. I was looking ahead. I have quite a few changes to take before Wolverine 50, but we will get there hopefully early this year. Um, so yeah, that's the near future in Flashback Land. Um, next up for regular episodes will be more Dawn of X. And we'll start getting ready for the launch of uh, the new Wolverine solo series. So all that is coming up. Um, go listen to it, Scalbros. Go listen to uh, Sentinel of Liberty. Um, go listen to Resurrections. Um... Yeah, we talked about Al once or twice in this episode. Um, so yeah, go listen to all that. Al Sedano, Resurrections, uh, and Adam Warlock and Thanos podcast. Um, yeah, very, very cool. So for the podcast that goes snicked, um, you know, retweets and Facebook shares are always appreciated. So you can go like the Facebook page, start sharing those posts if you want. Um, Twitter's at Snickcast. If you want to retweet episodes, greatly appreciated. Uh, show notes and stuff can be found at uh, snickcast.podbean.com. And that's going to do it. So until next time, everybody, hugs and snacks. Uh, no. Crap. I'm all, I'm terrible this episode. No one's going to listen to me ever again because I'm so bad. Um, sorry. Hugs and snacks, everybody. And, uh, snacked.